honestly, like whenever someone needs to make like their first hundred thousand bucks or like something to get going, there's always there's always somewhere where there's peak demand. And if you could just get to that peak demand relatively quick, it doesn't matter if it's a like I, I met some kids in my neighborhood, 20 year old kids in Austin last February when there was ice damage mm -hmm. that were making 12,000 a day for like five or six days straight. Welcome to the pod. Today we got Mike Feldstein, he's founder and CEO of Jasper, not the AI writing company, already causing problems over here. Uh, CEO of Jasper that makes these cool looking giant air purifiers. It looks like um, it looks like a giant Alexa to me. And uh, 10 plus years ago, he got into the disaster business by restoring homes after big floods, fires, et cetera, then started a generator business to combat ice storms, then started restoring homes after wildfires, then quickly saw that air quality sucked inside during a wildfire. So he made these giant industrial level air purifiers that actually look cool. Um, and then COVID hit and all of a sudden it was mandated in Canada that doctor's offices had to put some sort of uh, industrial air purification inside their offices. And that's when Jasper like became a, a huge hit. Is, is that sound about right? Was that the, uh, is that the whole biography? Yeah, it does a trick. Yeah. So let me ask you about this. Um, when COVID hit, you were making air purifiers. What happened all of a sudden to that business? Did it go up, down? What, what? No. So we hadn't launched yet. We were getting ready to launch and we were going to launch that. I, I, cause I created originally for wildfire smoke mm -hmm. and the intention was to launch in 2019 and then I missed fire season. I'm like, okay, we have to be ready for 2020 fire season. And then May 23rd, 2020 they, is when they mandated air purifiers for dentists in Ontario for because mm. of COVID. And we launched that day. Like my, a friend of mine who owned like 30 ortho clinics messaged me. He's like, dude, you have to launch today. You can't wait for summer. You have to launch like right now. He's like, every dentist in Canada is about to buy air purifiers for every room. <laughs> so like today's the day you have to launch. Um, so we had sold none to that point. Um, and then we sold out in like 10 minutes and we're in pre-order mode. We just threw up one page. Jasper Medical was .com was mm -hmm. our original domain. Uh, we had no reviews. So to combat no reviews, we put medical in the domain in a really high price. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of like, instead of fake reviews, the high price and the, putting the word medical in your domain is kind of like putting a lab coat on your brand. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we, we ended up kind of stumbling into medical, but it was not the intention. But but then, so how did people find you? Were you just doing paid mm. ads, all that kind of stuff? Oh yeah, literally I just did paid ads for the word HEPA air purifier, uh -huh. and I paper-clicked our top competitor's name. That's where 99% of the business came from. Really? There was like one incumbent in the dental air purifier space in Canada. So just paper-clicked their name. Our, our landing page just had an, an literally Jasper versus Surgically Clean Air. That's their name. And um, basically just their brand share is, is everything we needed. And now did their air purifier look like yours or was yours like totally different? It looked pretty similar. It's pretty similar? Pretty similar. Same kind of thing. But theirs was, yeah. Um, and originally I thought we were going to be like a $7.99, $8.99 consumer price point. Uh -huh. They were two grand. And um, we actually had tested with pricing early on at that $1,000 price point. We couldn't sell anything. Uh -huh. And at 2000 we couldn't keep them in stock. And just like was such a... Wait, so, so at $1,000, you couldn't sell them. And then at 2000 you sold way more. We couldn't hold them in stock because when the dentist saw so <laughs> 1000 and the competitor was 2200 Certainly, we are an inferior product. So as soon as we raise the price to 1975, now all of a sudden, like 
we were viewed on an equal playing field. And then now we were able to like compare, but to say you're better than someone that they've never heard of you before and you're half the price, that's a way harder argument than we're the be best and the similar price. Um, so that's kind of how it started with dental. Um, that's, that's, that is such a strange thing when you raise the price, and, but, but you did raise the price. We did raise the price. It didn't work. So what made you think, I'm going to raise it even more? Because that, that's a little bit of a weird thing to say. Like, you're going to raise the price. We sold zero, so now I'm going to do it even so, more. So, we, okay, so to back up, we started at 1975. I had the intention of being like consumer, $7.99, $8.99. Because of COVID, our shipping prices for air freight were like 500 bucks a unit. Whoa. So that already brought costs like over $1,000. And even still, I'm like, ah, oh, whatever, like we'll lose a little bit and then we'll make the money on the filters on the back end. But then um, when we launched, I just saw that the closest competitor was like 2150. So we went with 1975, sold out. A couple months later, we tried to bring the price down mm -hmm. and it was the, a huge flop. So we brought it back up. What a weird thing. That like doesn't make sense. I almost... Pricing is very difficult because you have to like play games with your entire audience live. Like you can't do it behind closed doors. It's a, it's a little bit difficult. Was there a way that you tested the price? I'm just personally interested in this subject quite a bit. Um, well, or we had like random. a one page website, so we just like changed it. And then all of a sudden, like it was way harder to like, like crickets almost uh -huh. like the, the medical industry in particular, they're so used to being robbed on everything that they buy that if, and, and medical products just, they, they do lower volume than a consumer good. Uh -huh. So they, they have quite a high price. Um, but yeah, pricing is interesting. You, you kind of just have to sometimes like once you're at that place where like the business could work at this point, you're like, where are we going to land on the on the scale of pricing? And then I realized that the higher your price is, the more you could just delight and surprise customers. Like a high price means like excellent warranty, mm -hmm. amazing return, always available customer service. And I never realized that like the price often allows the business the margin to give you whatever amount of service. Like if our margin was tiny, our warranty would suck. Our, we'd have to, we have to go cheap on everything else. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you're not actually just, you know, you're not just paying for the food, you're paying for like the rent of the restaurant. And sometimes you're not just paying for the product, you're paying for the business that could support that product. So the higher price allowed us to be like a more premium company, not just product. Um, and, and that helped a lot. Yeah, that that is a, a super interesting. Pricing is like not... A I guess there is some sort of science you could do behind it. I've seen only one company price intelligently that which which recently sold for quite a bit of money, mm -hmm. but they do pricing on, but you have to have very, very, very large scale conversions and stuff. Mm -hmm. You can't have sell like a hundred units a month and get accurate data. You have to do thousands and thousands of conversions and tests and stuff like that. Yeah, man. And even then I think part of it is still freaking guessing. <laughs> yeah. So you might as well guess high to start because yeah. <laughs> no, no one gets mad if you lower your price, but everybody goes nuts if you raise your price. Uh -huh. So I think like, also, if especially if someone's doing a product company or a service company where it's where their resource or their capital is the limiting factor, yeah. by starting with a high price, it, it constrains the volume and it allows you to figure thing out, things out. Like you could raise money and have low margin and sell a bunch of stuff, and now you need a huge team right away. Mm -hmm. So, like the higher price early on, I feel like it's like guardrails on growing too quickly, oh, and it lets you figure things out at a reasonable pace. Ooh, that's a, that's actually a great way to. Great way to put it. Um, the, okay, so the air thing. You actually gave me one of these Jasper things. I did. And it it's kind of impressive because a lot of people will look at it, and I guess we could put a image up on the screens, Jasper Air. And it's like a 
It looks like a giant Alexa to me. You're the first one who said it, and it's very accurate. I can't believe it. I was the first one who said it looks like a giant Alexa? Yes. Oh, my God. I felt like other people in my house have been like, now that you said like it, is that an Alexa? It, it seems kind of obvious. But it's but obviously, it's like, I don't think it's five feet tall. It's like four feet tall. Or a something. little less. It's like th- 30 inches. Oh. Uh, what, Two and a half see, feet? Yeah, it's it's quite. Feels, it feels taller. It feels way taller. I thought it's like the size That's of. like me. Because I remember one of my friend's kids came by, and it's bigger than him. So I was like, this thing looks massive. I, but, I remember when we, we didn't have our dimensions on it, and someone messaged me. He's like, I want to buy the product, but he's like, honestly, I can't tell if it's the size of a salt shaker or a trash can. I thought it was the size of that thing. When you showed me the picture, <laughs> I thought it was the size of that thing. Uh so okay, let's let's get into the disaster business. Okay, so it's it, what's very compelling about you is you're, like you're totally not in like the internet space whatsoever, but you have these companies, and you told me you're in the disaster business, and I always thought that was funny. So what what do you call the disaster? What is that? <sighs> well, I don't think it's the same for everybody. Um, just it's, it's I'm in the I was I've been in the chaos business for a while. Chaos business, mm-hmm. ah. like you know when there's volatility and there's chaos. Um, if you're good at making decisions on the fly, then there's a lot of opportunity. There's a great opportunity to go broke in chaos. There's also a great opportunity to make a lot of money and create create a lot of value. So to me, what the disaster business ended up being was when there'd be flood, fires, hurricanes, earthquakes, power outages, I would basically start a brand that does that service in that city mm-hmm. the next day. So like unbalanced lead pages, one page website, clear call to action, like fire restoration, floods, whatever it might be. So most people, when there's a disaster, they either call their insurance company or they Google the problem, like flood company, Austin. Yeah. Flood restoration, Austin, something like that. So because our competitors, if you will call them that, are like these big thousand person companies who like work with insurance, it takes them like two weeks to even like get to town and like mobilize. Mm -hmm. Whereas our landing pages are up like, while the flood is happening, like while people are evacuating, like my ads were up that night. And, you know, I had the whole thing templatized where I had like the landing page. So you get, I'd get a local phone number. I'd get a local like Regis address immediately. You'd want to pick a, a brand name that's local, but not too local. So like in, a, in Fort McMurray, Alberta, if I called myself Fort McMurray Fire Restoration, they'd be like opportunistic. Like we knew you weren't here last week. Alberta Fire Restoration, perfect. Mm. But in Houston, I was Houston flood experts. For the for Hurricane Harvey. So you'd basically look at the disaster, see what the opportunity is, throw up the landing page, run Google ads, make Facebook posts. And often you'd get like one, to, Craigslist posts could often be the best, but you could get 2000 calls an hour. And I learned this. What? Yeah, man. Well, when a whole city's flooded, like it's insane. I remember one time I hired um, a virtual reception company called Ruby Reception. And I spent 10 grand in like 40 minutes because- all like 600 calls were being answered. I'm like, we got to stop doing this. So we had to get like the force function made me get good at like automating it and text responders. But basically the disaster business was there's a flood, there's a fire, set up the ads, have a process to get people's information and explain to them like, we're coming. Uh And then once we've told a hundred people like "We're, we're coming to fix your flood, then it was basically scramble to get all of the equipment and the labor and figure things out. Uh, so it really it depend on the type of disaster, but yeah, it really depended. So fl- my, my first ever was the, the flood in Canada, Canadian, we were floodexperts.ca, uh-huh. which is a great name. Um, and a Kijiji post, which is like the Craigslist of Canada, uh-huh. 
got us a hotel. So my first job ever in the flood business was the biggest hotel in Calgary. So I kind of got thrown into the fire flood, literally. Um, yeah, but basically it was just rebuilding things after natural disasters. How I figured it out, honestly, looking back a decade ago, like now that I know how to like rebuild stuff, it seems obvious, but being like 23 and have never done floods or fires, it actually seems kind of crazy that I was able to figure it yeah, out. Yeah, okay. so I mean, uh, when I was 23, I wouldn't be like, I could restore a house after a flood. It does seem crazy, actually. So did you, what it, What in your mind were you thinking? Were you just like, I'm going to throw up this page. I, I guess you were blindsided with the number of calls. Or did you expect that? Uh, I wasn't sure what to expect. So I had on, I got into online marketing after school for a little uh -huh. bit. Um, I heard about this thing called the mold rush. Uh -huh. um, so mold removal is like drywall removal, but 10, 20 times the price because mold is scary. Uh -huh. So I got into the mold rush. I just was doing like Google ads for mold companies because I'm like, these guys' margins. It was, it's like the guys who are just cutting away the drywall are charging like 600. Uh -huh. The guy who cuts away the drywall with a little bit of mold charges like 12,000. So I'm like, let me do lead gen for the mold guys because they have way more money. Um, and then it got into like, wait a second, that, that job looks really, I had friends who worked for mold companies found out this is really easy business. It's all kind of Hollywood. Uh -huh. And then I partnered up with somebody, started a mold company where we would split the profits 50-50. Flood happened. Um, so I remember we just, I set up the domain, Flood Experts. And I'm like, I had a little marketing team. I saw this flood happen and, I'm, and I heard on the news, insurance companies are prepared to spend $2 billion restoring the flood. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what business exactly I'm going into, but I know if I go there, it's going to be awesome. There'll be a crazy opportunity. Uh -huh. So I got there. Military had like the city blocked off because like this flood in Calgary, think about like a downtown core. The water was up to the third and fourth floor of buildings. Holy crap. So like the city was like a lake. Six story deep parkades were filled with water to the bottom. Um, and then, yeah, I just, I had a U-Haul. I was only 23, so I couldn't rent a car or a truck. So I, I could only rent a U-Haul, 50 cents a kilometer. So I had like a motel room, a U-Haul. And then my friend who was in the mold game, like shipped a bunch of equipment down from Toronto. But honestly, like it was pretty, it seemed intuitive. It's like, there's all this water. We need to get it out. And then um, I had friends in the business. So I was like calling them being like, what do I do? And honestly, like I was watching YouTube videos, but yeah, it does seem it does seem like a crazy thing. That let me let me ask you this: Insurance companies are just like, okay, here's this fly by night company, which which you were right. You literally like started last night, and they're like, we're just going to give them a bunch of money to do this work. So the best thing ever was uh, CTV News, which is like the biggest. New, it's like the like CNN or Fox, in, but in Canada. Mm -hmm. So I threw up my landing page in my Google ad, and like ten minutes later, I got a call from the news being like. And this is when I was back in Ontario. I hadn't even flown out. Like I put up the site. I was getting ready to fly out the next day. And I got a call being like, are you in Calgary right now? I'm like, yes. They're like, are you available in 30 minutes to do a live interview on the radio? I'm like, yes. So I like quickly was like checking out what was going on. I remember turning on YouTube, opening windows to make like my background sound like I was on the streets of Calgary. <laughs> I did like a... They're like, I'm like, it's mayhem, it's chaos, there's trucks upside down. Like, I sounded like a war reporter, like reporting from the ground. So, I get on a plane. This is actually cool. Um, on day four, another, you know, nobody was really running ads in 2013, the next day after a flood. So, it'd get a lot of media. Mm -hmm. So, CBC News asked me if I could fly back to Toronto and do a flood special. Mm. So, I fly back. I did a seven minute flood special. I'm 23 years old. And my main talk, 
was how to watch out for the fly-by-night contractor uh-huh. who just got into the flood business and I had been in business for four days. <laughs> so that just taught me a lot about like, ee, like the news and like what expert is actually on the news telling me stuff. Cause like here I am this, I hadn't ever done a flood job yet. And I was on the news talking about watching out for fly-by-night contractors. So the homeowner has the right to choose their own company. Mm-hmm. Insurance company can't veto that. Oh, They cannot. As long as you like kind of do the work reasonably and you're not, billing way more than fair market rate. Mm-hmm. The tough part is actually, so in my terms, I said, we don't get paid. We don't get paid if you don't get paid. I'm like, that was my bold claim. Um, thank God margins in flood business were really good because that could have got ugly. Insurance companies, typically though, you have to fight with them to get paid, mm-hmm. but Canada's way less litigious than the US. So in the States, like this business is cutthroat. Everybody sues everybody. Mm. In Canada, you like, just like, slightly threatened to sue someone and like they panic and pay you uh-huh. same with insurance companies um so they don't really have a choice it's the our my whole ad was you have the right to choose your own company like are you going to trust the insurance company's guy that has a, a bias or the guy who the more work he does like our interests are aligned so i kind of like branded myself as the people's choice well and then and then what does the team look like when you get down there there's a flood something happens and you get a hundred people that you promise that like yeah we're gonna get this water out of your house and like are you hiring random contractors off the street also there's a flood going on so like i don't know if like the workforce is as normal like what do you do so I had to I had to hire fifty five guys in about a week, and I had never hired anybody before. So it it taught me an amazing lesson about like how capable people can do like capable things. So for example, like if if there's a steam a company who can do pressure, they, they pressure wash homes. For example, yeah. they pressure wash, they clean eaves drops, they wash windows. Those guys could also cut grass. So mm. like they don't realize it, but if you call the pressure washing company, it's like, look, what's your daily rate? I want to book your crew for the next month. But instead of pressure washing homes, we're cleaning homes now. I'll pay you 50% more than your average rate. You guys do this now. So like here was a guy who already had organized labor. So what I did in Calgary was I actually hired landscapers. I'm like, you guys do landscaping. You like dig holes, you move stuff. Certainly like cleaning up after a flood, landscaping, not that different. Mm-hmm. So I, I would hire small service companies who already had like, 13 guys and could organize them and get them to the job site on time. So I'd basically just like find any service company. uh, And then also you get people from like three hours out of town. Mm. So most people aren't thinking about driving three hours or like, what do we do? So I, if I could figure out accommodation, like Airbnbs or cheap hotels, and then call a company from like four hours out and negotiate a daily rate. It's like, I'll guarantee your crew. Th- Cause like, as soon as they get to town, there's unlimited work. So I need to get them on like the 30 day, 60 day agreement. of here's what I'm paying you every day. Like you guys don't have to think about work for the next two months. And, um, usually that the out of state or out of province, out of city labor, as long as you could figure out their lodging and give them a guarantee, I would just get people from adjacent industries to like, do that thing. That was kind mm-hmm. of the trick. And then I could get those guys to do like net 60 because I had no money. Mm-hmm. So I had literally no money. Um, you had to get like, and there was no power, right? So you had to get like, it was crazy. I, I think a lot of my 
experience and now advantage is because like my first things I had to figure out were so hard. Mm -hmm. Like in Calgary, there was no power or water or bathrooms. So on every job site, you had to like rent generators, get porta potties, get water, like all these things that don't, ha it was like literally like wartime. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the like logistics being thrown into the fire there has made it really like this internet business stuff now, honestly, feels really easy <laughs> in comparison to that kind of stuff. But I mean, are you the only general contractor? Because a general contractor is who the guy who's like organizing all the stuff, getting the porter potties there, making sure the guys are doing the work. Are you the only one or did you hire other people to do that? Like other managers to help you with all those different zones? In Calgary, it was just me, actually. Wow. Uh, on the next disaster, I hired five friends who like didn't have much going on. I'm like, come to come to Fort McMurray with me. Either we'll go home in two weeks and it'll be a free paid vacation. Or if it works, I'll pay you 10 grand a month for however long we're there. Uh -huh. So I brought like a few friends. And remember for the first few days, there were seven of us in a hotel room because there was no accommodation anywhere. Um, but yeah, I would, I would just get friends. And then like ha has, I would do more of them. Like first there's that flood phase where you're like ripping out the basement and then you have to rebuild everything. And that's when I would fully hire contractors. Because insurance, it's kind of like one of those industries where the incentives are all messed up, mm -hmm. where it's cost plus. So however much you spend, you get like 30% more than that. Mm. So you have a massive invested, you, you have an interest to get the job price as big as you can. Uh -huh. So you'd want to hire the like fanciest <laughs> contractor you could. Um, so yeah. The, I mean, that sounds extremely stressful and a very interesting way to make a living. Now, could you could you make like an ass ton of money? Like at one time, is that what happens? Yeah, you could make like a million a month profit is- A no million a month? Yeah. Whoa. But it's only for a month or two or three. So you need to know like how to get in, how to hit it and quit it and like not stay too long. Like some companies come, go out of business because they just like manage their money poorly and their uh -huh. risk. But like, it's all about like, there was a guy in Fort McMurray that made about 70 million in about four months. Whoa. No, no capital going into it. I was playing the small game of fixing homes. He played the game of building new homes. So the, the at, you know, 5,000 homes burned down in a remote city. He throws up a website calling himself a home builder. He, he, after a flood or a fire, let's say a house is like 250 a square foot because of the peak demand, you could charge like 600 a square foot. Mm. So he's charging like 800 grand for homes and bringing in builders from all over the country who were building them for 400. So his each lead he was making basically 400K per sale Holy and just getting the contract for the house, signing the same contract with the builder and making 400,000 times a ton. So yeah, I saw people make like tens and tens of millions of dollars in a few months. Very, very, no one talks about these like ugly construction flood businesses that are just destroy it. Yeah, I mean, um, Mark Cuban, it's kind of funny because some, sometimes people call Mark Cuban lucky for getting rich. He goes, uh, you only got to get rich once. It's just like you have one really good year. You make 70 million bucks. You can you can kind of exit at that point if you wanted to. That's insane. Yeah. It, how come more people don't know about this? What's how, I, don't know. I, I feel like this would be a better story because I remember when you were telling me this, I was like, wait, why is this? How come people people are talking on the Internet about someone making 20K selling courses online? I'm like, well, what about this? This sounds dude, way cool. Dude, honestly, like whenever someone needs to make like their first hundred thousand bucks or like something to get going, there's always, there's always somewhere where there's peak demand. And if you could just get to that peak demand relatively quick, it doesn't matter if it's a, like I, I met some kids in my neighborhood, 20 year old kids in Austin last February when there was ice damage mm -hmm. that were making 12,000 a day for like five or six days straight. 
Damn. Just like one pickup truck, a little utility trailer. So like when that ice storm happened last year and FEMA came in and everything, mm -hmm. if you were organized, like you'd be like, okay, there's unlimited brushes, trees that need to be cleared. $1,000 was the going rate to like clear your front yard from tree debris. Mm -hmm. Your cost to do it is like 60 bucks. You know, it's a couple guys, a tarp, you go and drop off the, the stick somewhere. So there's like this period of time where there's all these downed trees where if you can have trailer $15 an hour labor, each guy is going to make you 15, 20 grand a day. So like if you can organize 10 trucks, 10 trailers, 20 guys and do that for six days, you make a million bucks. Uh-huh. So these opportunities, hail storms, roof storms, power outages, like if the, like, man, when that burning man thing happened earlier this year and everybody was there, mm -hmm. if I wasn't like busy with family and stuff now, I wanted to do helicopter evacuation services Ooh. for, so like you're a rich guy, you're in burning man. It's like, I'll get you out for 80,000 today. And we would just get a contract helicopter service and get guys that charge 80, pay six, be like, I'm booking 10 helicopters solid. There's unlimited demand. And I would just like arbitrage helicopter evacs. So like I'm, my Whoa. brain's always just kind of <laughs> wired to like, there's this big problem. Like, let's go. I really like what you said. I didn't actually think about this. I was like, where do you get all the guys during this thing? You're just like, there's a bunch of landscaping companies, so com companies that already have organized labor and trailers Insurance, and tarps. Yeah. Just, just pay them triple what they're going to do. And then uh, there you go. Like with yeah. roofs are amazing too. So whenever there's like a hailstorm or a windstorm and mm -hmm. hundred thousand roofs are damaged. So like the small money, difficult move would be go and try to repair all the roofs. The best is I would just hire guys to tarp the whole roof. Uh -huh. So I'd be like, I'll pay you for like the damaged area. I'm like, I'll pay you $500 before like using Venmo or whatever. Bef my policy was I'll pay you before you get off the roof. So I'm like, send me a picture when you get there. Send me a picture of the damaged roof. Send me a picture of the tarped roof and I'll Venmo you $500 before you even get down. Wow. I don't care how big the job is. So what that does is now you've secured the job. You're the guy now. You need to take off the tarp and assess the damage, but you have a right as a homeowner to mitigate secondary damages. Mm -hmm. So it's like, if you leave that hole there and it rains in three days and now your whole house is gone and church is like, why didn't you at least tarp it? Mm -hmm. So we'd basically like, we would tarp it. So I could tarp 400 roofs, let's say in two days, instead of trying to fix like 20 roofs, mm -hmm. just tarp it. And then I'm like, whoa, we have to repair 200 roofs. I can't get roofers, they're busy. So like I hired a drone company like it was like 14 year old kids and their dads. <laughs> I'm like, I'll pay you $50 per roof. You have to go fly over the roof, take a little video, take a photo, draw red circles around the areas and upload it in this Google docs template. Uh -huh. They would give it to me. And I knew roof repair was between like five and 15 grand. So I just made every quote, 18 grand. And we just sent all 150 quotes with the same price. Mm -hmm. So insurance is either like accepted because they're slammed and they're so busy, or they would like be like, make it 17. So like, I think me not being a roofer, I've never been on a roof before, but I've repaired thousands of roofs. I think the secret sauce was actually like not being a roofer. It's like, shoot, we need to take a photo of 200 roofs this week. Drones. Um, yeah. like, I'm certainly not going on roofs. So I think kind of sometimes the, the ignorance of, not knowing, like the roofer was just limited by like his roofers, mm -hmm. but, and I would go and call roofers from like six hours away that are already roofers. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. Dude, this, this is funny. Uh, Gary Halbert, the famous copywriter, he always had this thing. He's just like, if I wanted to start a business, the place I would go is the place with the hungriest customer. Yeah. I don't care what the business is. If I'm going to sell hot dogs, I want to go where people are really hungry. Yes. And so it sounds like, you know, there's no one hungrier than someone who has a big ass hole in their roof. Or 10 feet of water in your basement. <laughs> yeah. So steam cleaners, the same equipment that you used to clean a carpet, 
is the same tool that you need to pump water out of the basement. Yeah. So every carpet cleaner in the world, when there's a flood, is in the flood business because it's like 10 times the price for that week. Oh, so there's, interesting. A, there's a lot of these like industries. I saw a dry cleaner make millions of dollars because they, they, they did environmental smoke detox cleaning services <laughs> of your clothes. Yeah. So it was like 10X for the environmental clean. Like you just put the word environmental in front of whatever you're doing and add a zero to the end of your price and you're good for a bit. So we're like pest control guys killing it during COVID spraying bleach instead of like uh, yeah. pet stuff like that. Oh, I never thought I about started that, a COVID man. cleaning company called EnviroCleanse during COVID. Oh, yeah. Interesting. In Toronto. There's all these weird times where a specific business can make like considerably larger amounts, orders of magnitudes larger during certain events. And there's certain businesses who are like, fuck inflation. I'll never raise my price. Love those guys. Those guys are my favorite <laughs> guys in the whole world. So I started a company called EnviroCleanse, like right when COVID was happening. Mm -hmm. So basically I knew about mold and asbestos and all these environmental cleanups things. Mm -hmm. Like the, the, the protocol for cleaning a COVID is no different than like a crime scene. In fact, it's actually easier. So mold guys also do crime scenes. People don't know about that. Mm. It's like, it's the same thing. There's like a toxic thing that we need to get out. So a lot of companies that do mold, flood, fire also do like infection control and, and trauma. And you probably get paid way more for that. Uh, similar. Yeah. Mold better actually. <laughs> Interesting. Um, yeah. So um, what's it called? Mm. Moldy. Mold is gold. Mold is gold. Oh, that's the a mold good one. rush. Man. Yeah. Mold is scary. So I can see why people would pay a lot for it. But in reality, like I, I'm a homeowner, so I know a little bit about like little projects and stuff like that. I used to think that drywall and walls were like these permanent things. This is just a freaking sheet that costs five dollars. <laughs> and there's there's a couple of these wood beams, but on the inside. That's all it is. That's and it. And then a, a crappy coat of paint on the outside. That's the whole thing. And you can knock down this wall, cut a hole in it pretty easy. One one kick. Yeah, really easy. Yeah, especially if you use like a little tool, like a sawzall, and like usually it's like two square feet of mold. Like, yeah. So, you, and, and then you stick another piece of drywall that you cut to roughly the same size. Exactly. You glue it on there and paint over it. That's the thing, right? That's the thing. Wow. You, you you contain the room, so you put like a tarp, an airtight tarp around the room. You put a big air purifier in the room and outside the room. You cut away the dirty drywall. You put it in a double bag. You wipe everything with a cleaning product, and off you go. Oh, yo, EnviroCleanse. I got it. Yeah. So we, um, we, I called a bunch of cleaning companies, some of which I knew that let's say they were 50 cents a square foot to clean uh -huh. offices. So we made our price a dollar a square foot. Uh -huh. So I, I ran Google ads for COVID cleaning services and like environmental cleaning services, one pager, and we charged a dollar a square foot. Mm -hmm. And I hired the cleaning companies that charged 50 cents a square foot. So I, I only ran the business for, I only did sales for about 10 days. Mm -hmm. We landed about $40,000 worth of monthly cleaning contracts. Our cost was exactly 20 grand. We just paid the cleaning company that does the exact service for half the price. So only a couple months ago did the last contracts fizzle out. It did about 800,000 in sales, mm -hmm. half profit. And it was just like one week, quickly throw up a website. It's like, how many cleaning companies are amazing at cleaning that aren't raising their prices for COVID mm -hmm. that don't even know that they could get in the COVID business. I just make sure they have like the right gadgets to, you know, you know, wear our little, wear our badge and stuff. Mm -hmm. So like when, yeah, whenever there's a, like a peak demand, someone's not packaging their thing properly. Oh, interesting. I, I know, I know like, so for Airbnbs here in Austin, 
there's a couple times of the year, like South by Southwest F1, that if you're even remotely close to downtown or have a nice place, you can rent it out and like make your whole mortgage in that yeah. one week. Yes. And uh, I personally done that before where you're just like, uh, yeah, I could pay my rent for the whole year by renting out this apartment just for South by Southwest. It makes sense. And just the tech part. Cause it's just a bunch of tech nerds who are never going to be in the apartment and just care if the water wow. is fast. That's amazing. Yeah. Don't rent it out for the music part. Good call. <laughs> they want to they party at your place. Good call. Uh, let's say content marketing. So it sounds like your whole content marketing strategy is one landing page with a sign-up form on it and Google AdWords. That's what it was in the disaster game. Yeah. yeah. And then what about with, so Jasper Air Purifier, that's more of like a like a company that you're selling with a website. How do you do content marketing? So we only that? added e-com this February for the first two and a half years because I came from like services when everybody else was doing e-com. I had like, free consultation uh -huh. so people would like call jasper for a quote and we would chat with people for like half an hour discuss their situation and then sell them the jaspers we only added ecom like february 2023 which is crazy huh. so our original customers were those covid dentists and all of our customers for the two years after that were patients of dental offices so yeah. the actual copywriting skills that were required here was actually just giving the dental hygienists I'd go into the dental offices and give the hygienists a good s script to talk about. And I gave the dentist a ready to forward email. So mm -hmm. the dental office, when they would buy five Jaspers, I would give them an email to forward to all of their patients mm -hmm. saying like, time to come to the dentist. Like our dental office is safer, safer than your home. And now we're back to saying clean air during COVID. It was safe air. Mm -hmm. So like, like changing clean, no one cared about clean. We wanted to be safe. Yeah. So <laughs> using the words of like, basically we just gave businesses a safe air marketing kit. Uh -huh. And then that they really bought Jasper's has a marketing item. And then their patients and their staff became the next thousand customers. Oh, how interesting. Mm -hmm. So you just got almost like licensed to a free advertise. Even still like every day, almost like our main... Our most steady source of leads still is probably dental offices. Interesting. Because people come in and they see, they're like, hey, what's that thing? Well, the hygienist like raves about it because oh. they're like, this is, I didn't like people do a new patient visit. So like on your first time at a new dentist, they do their little walkthrough and they, they tell you all, here's our x-ray room and here's our Jasper air purifier. And they, they talk a little bit about air quality is normally very bad in dentists, but here it's awesome. And then, you know, six months later, that patient's come twice. They're like, hey, my kid has really bad asthma, really bad allergies. Would this work for my home? Uh, but now, yeah, it's 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 back to uh, a regular business. So do you, whenever you added e-com, um, or, or now that it has some time for the dust to settle. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a fun air joke right there. Uh, do you, do you have to like really pay attention to the images, the copy, the email? What's like the best seller for e-com related stuff? So I realized like this interesting thing and you know, people often say like, who's your competitor, mm -hmm. but I'm like, you choose your competitor. Like, who are you choosing to like mm -hmm. align yourself against air purifiers are like a $6 billion market. So I could choose any different competitor that's kind of like, okay, here's the, here's the company that I want to smash right now. So, you know, first it was that dental company. Then I realized selling to dentists sucks. So like right now, the number one incumbent is um, a company called Air Doctor. Mm -hmm. And they make a really good machine. Mm -hmm. um, and they're big on affiliate space, affiliate health, biohacker wellness. So, however, so we clean the air like the same or a little bit better, but their machine's very ugly and very loud. So we actually, someone did a video last week during Black Friday where we, we won the Bougie Air Purifier Awards. So it turns out people really care how that thing looks. If it's ugly and if it's loud, they're going to put it away. So we've kind of just realized that being effective and beautiful 
is it's like there was like golf carts and there was like ugly big trucks uh -huh. and the market needed like an escalator or a Yukon, like a, a, a luxury SUV that can take the kids, take the stuff, look good while doing it. Mm -hmm. So now it's kind of just like effective, but also looks good. Hmm. People that's so interesting. Well, I mean, that's kind of like the Apple design philosophy too. Like it is useful, but it also has to look badass. Yeah. Like I, I you know, the, the kind of customer who's like looking up horsepower and like pound feet of torque isn't buying like a Tesla or whatever. And you know, th those guys that buy like windows PCs cause it has like crazy specs, Yeah. but I'm like, yeah, but this thing's still ugly and annoying to use. Like, I don't care really what the specs are of my Mac. It just, it works really great. Um, same with cars. I'm like, I don't care what my horsepower is. Like, safe, comfortable, good seats. Well, also, you, you know what's for me? So so you gave me one, and I'm not a big like air quality guy. I'm like a dirty pig for the most part. I'm a very neat person, but I am not a germaphobe whatsoever. Yeah. And in the air, I'm like, you can't see the air. I don't, there's nothing in there, right? So I never really think about it. However, whenever we cook in my household a bunch of Indian food, there's spices, and it kind of stinks up the entire place. And you told me, it's just like the reason that it stinks up is because of molecules of... The, the cooking and the oil going into the furniture. And I was like, maybe I should yeah. put Jasper on. And it actually really helps with that. I'm not, I'm not trying to make this sound like an advertisement. It is what we use it for. And then also I grill and off my patio, sometimes I like to leave the window open. Some smoke gets in and you kind of see it in the house. And when I put the Jasper on, it just dissipates. It just like gets rid of all of it. The craziest is these little things. Like if your neighbor is ever doing a renovation across the street and like a contractor's like outside cutting two by fours guaranteed your number is going to spike. Oh, like do, the, the, the craziest one I had contractors, uh, uh, doing some, uh, installing some toilets in my, uh, in my house and upstairs in my master bathroom is not like a ton of ventilation. And they were cutting tile to get through like the little jacuzzi tub or whatever. And there was just tile smoke in the air. It wasn't smoke. It was tile particles in the air. And I was just like, wait a second. This is pieces of freaking tile that are just floating around in the air. And these guys were just kind of like just hanging out in there. I know. And I was like, dude, aren't these guys? It's like those guys at the road that are like doing like gravel and tar work. Just like breathing all that shit in. All day long. And, and like, look, I'm, I'm not one to say, I normally can't see the air, so I don't care. But I could literally see it in the air. And I was like, this sounds not great to go in your lungs. I put the Jasper in there. Literally 30 seconds later, the place is clear. It's funny. We forget. And I was like, oh, I finally saw it in action. It's funny that we forget that we live in air. Like yeah. I, I had this epiphany recently that what water is to fish, air is to humans. Yeah. Like the fish could be in like this heavily contaminated water. They don't like swim away to the clean part of the ocean because like they don't know they're in the water. Yeah. Just like we're so immersed in air and like air only exists between the sea and the sky. It's like this very thin, tiny layer where us humans can survive. And I don't think, I think we take it for granted and we're not aware of it because we live in it. Well, I know, I know when I go to India on the ground, the pollution is so bad. Like my boogers are black right? oh, and, and you, you feel it in your eyes and your face and coming from here where I mean, it's generally clean air, even if you're on a road or Not something like that. that. Yeah. You, you go there and you're like, oh yeah, it's the freaking air. There's junk in this air. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm dealing with. Let me ask you about a physical product. Okay. It's always fascinating. How did you make this physical product? Mm. Do you have like a design background or anything like that? Not educated. People ask me if I'm an engineer. I, I like the term street engineer. Like I've like- Yeah, because you sound like an engineer when I talk to you. Cool. I like that. Yeah. No, I'm not. I mean, I've designed like, you know, a web designer, like a really good graphic designer and interior designer don't realize how similar they are. Mm -hmm. It's something that I've realized. And this applies to like everything. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people don't realize how transferable skills are. It's like, 
these interior designers always have the best websites. I'm like, who did it? You're like, I did it myself. I'm like, oh, you just have an eye for this mm-hmm. kind of stuff that works differently. And you could do all these, like, did you know that there's actually a thing that pays 10 times more that you may not be aware of? Mm. Um, so, you know, early it was like designing websites. And then it was, I'm like, oh, I'm, I remember five years ago, like being like, oh shoot, I could buy a house now. Like <laughs> a friend of mine bought a house. I'm like, I didn't even think that hadn't entered my mind yet. I'm like, oh, wow, I could buy a house. So we got a house and then like immediately like, oh, like let's do renovation stuff. So, you know, honestly, renovating homes and designing home stuff Mm -hmm. is the thing that like gets my product brain going most. So it's not like a distraction at all, like getting it going and like making things physically better and more beautiful, more efficient, more effective. That same part of like a, a good bathroom design or a good layout or a landscape is very similar to creating like a good water bottle or a cold plunge or a lamp or a Jasper. It's the same kind of fundamentals. Um, so because of the wildfire industry, I knew that my analogy for most air purifiers that you see at Best Buy, it's like trying to heat a bathtub with a kettle. Mm-hmm. Like kettle heats water, awesome for tea not for a bath. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, Mo- whoa, there's a bunch of teapots here and people are trying to heat their bathtubs with them. So I knew specs wise, cause we, the stuff we would use for like floods, fire mold was like photocopier, printer. They were big and ugly. Mm-hmm. So I knew what we needed to do to make it like, my brain was more like, let's make this big, ugly thing beautiful. Mm-hmm. So I knew what we needed to do. So I just found 25 factories from around the world, bought their best model tested those out, found the one that was closest to what I wanted. And then I worked with them to make it pretty and smart and like innovated off that. Get rid of all the buttons and all that kind of stuff. All that kind of stuff. Yeah. So like, yeah, just, I think after doing like floods, fires and mold and all this random stuff, like it just, it didn't seem daunting. And I had no pressure of growing a big company. I was actually at one point, like, I didn't think I even wanted to do business again for a while. I was just traveling. And then I'm like, you know what? Like I really could use this air purifier for myself, for my family. So I'm like, let me just see this through. It'd be kind of funny if I like invented an air purifier, just had 200 of them around. Mm -hmm. And like, I could gift them to friends and give them to family. That was kind of the goal. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, COVID and oh, now it's a thing. But like not having the pressure, I did no market research. I just created the product that I really wanted for myself. How's like a a mold man? (laughs) yeah. <laughs> and there, but how do you get good at that skill of getting good at design? Is that just something you think you're kind of like, you just got, or? I think it's kind of just like being, being a like critic, you know, like uh-huh. the, a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, you go to a restaurant or whatever, a business and you see if like, there's like four lines and how come everyone's in that line? You're like, maybe just the guy that's like those other three lines there would, would help this whole thing. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of just, I was, I've always operated Jasper. I never, I don't feel like I own this company. Honestly, I feel like I'm just, a customer of it who, who, when I give feedback, they listen every time. Mm-hmm. Like I actually feel kind of removed from the ownership side of it. I just, so I just feel like a critical customer. Uh-huh. I don't know. It, 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 as soon as we start trying to evaluate ourselves, our, our, our perspective gets terrible. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to, to stay on the customer side of the product at all times. Uh-huh. And that makes it much, much like everybody has good feedback for everything until it's their own. So I'm just trying my best to, to not get too attached to this business. Oh, very interesting. I mean, that's kind of like the Elon Musk, Steve Jobs method of just like, if you make a really damn good product, it just kind of sells itself a little bit because people talk about it. Sounds like that's kind of what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, I feel like also a lot of the best products, I never got discovered a little bit. Uh Like, I think you really need that first few hundred. Uh And you also, honestly, if it wasn't for COVID, there would be no Jasper because that, that subscription revenue from the early customers 
subscription revenue is one way to look at it. The other way to look at it is like, I have responsibility to these people who bought this thing to keep shipping them filters every six months. Yeah. So I kind of, you know, I didn't want to let them down. And now that that's just there, it kind of like made it harder to quit. Sweet. Well, th- th- that is fascinating, by the way. This is giving me a lot to think about. So hope hope someone else out there got some ideas from this. Um, let's try a couple of bits, like, like a little sure. short short clips over here. Uh, so let's say, so what is the most popular trend you are seeing right now? Damn, I don't really get to see very many trends, man. Um, the most popular trend right now. I mean, if I look at, I mean, it, it depends where I look. If I'm, um, just being in our little Austin bubble, mm-hmm. it definitely seems like people are willing to invest a lot. I use the term relax hard to kind of, it just feels appropriate. Uh-huh. People trying so hard to like, it was biohack. I like the term relax hard better. Whether it's saunas, cold plunge, putting coffee up their butt or sunlight <laughs> up their butt. Like this insatiable desire for people to do every single health trend that there is. So that's what I'm seeing right now. Boots on the ground. Like they say the best, per- the most likely person to buy a $2,000 vacuum is the person who already owns a $2,000 vacuum. Mm. And I'm seeing a lot of people just basically like saying yes to every single new health thing possible. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I go to, I go to a gym and they have like all these different, like it shocks you. Like, and what's this, next? Yeah, I know. And I try a couple of them and I'm like, I'm sure there's some benefit to it, but it sounds a little hokey to me. In but terms I, of the bit thing, man, like think about this. Um, like what's the, I feel like exercise was the original, this sucks and I feel better afterward. Mm. And then sauna is like the, this sucks and I feel better afterward. So it was like workouts were like an hour. Saunas were like 15 to 18 minutes. Now here's the cold plunge. It's three minutes of, of suffer and I feel better afterward. Correction. Sauna always feels awesome. Cold plunge sucks when you get in. I totally I agree. agreed. But like, what's the next suffer? Like this sucks. And then I feel really good after. I feel like that's a, a, a place to be looking at where the puck might go next. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, that's, that's interesting. All right. So, throw throw wait, that, that question, question back at me. Yeah. Yo, what is the most popular trend you're seeing right now? In my personal little bubble world, I'm seeing that social media is becoming more popular than SEO. And this rings true to me because I have been, uh, all my business relied on SEO for years. Mm. And I've started seeing the value of an SEO person decline and the value of a uh, social media person increase. It used to be social media is like, hey, I, I ate eggs for breakfast, of course. That's like the joke. But now it's just like, oh, yeah, I want to buy a $10,000 product. And the person found you off of social media. So I'm seeing the value of like YouTube, Twitter, all that stuff mm-hmm. go up a lot more and then find like someone typing in copywriting course to be a lower value than finding me on YouTube. Mm. So let's let's ask another little rapid question. If you had to start again, what are some businesses you would start? Ooh, well, if I had to start again from zero, so I guess that's kind of how you start. Yeah, I would, I would definitely do the disaster thing again. No doubt about it. Mm-hmm. I would definitely do the disaster thing again. Whether it would be, I would probably do. Um, Actually, I'll tell you exactly what I would do. If I was starting right now from zero, I would start a tree beautification business here in Austin. Mm. So there's all these big, beautiful oak trees and there's multi-million dollar properties. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. I've seen homes that sell for like 5 million and then the neighbors like can't sell for three. I'm like, it's the same everything, but one guy cleaned up the trees and one didn't. <laughs> it changes the entire thing. It's like looking like a mess and then getting a haircut and a makeover. Yeah. So 
there's companies who will light up your will light up your oak tree, uh-huh. and there are other companies who will trim your oak tree. I want to start an all-in-one tree beautification service, so it'll be like twenty five hundred dollars. We'll come, we'll clean up your oak tree, we'll do the lights, like nice patio restaurant vibe and i would use like ai to show people a picture of what their property would look like with all their trees like beautified and lit up Mm. so my 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 cost to start the business would literally be a roll of lights off of alibaba a used ladder off facebook marketplace (laughs) and some cheap local labor and i would do door-to-door in westlake and rollingwood and i would be in the tree beautification game interesting all right throw that back at me if you had to start again what are some businesses you would start? <laughs> well, one of the first things I actually did like in high school, we did power wash homes for mm-hmm. money and we made a lot of money. And I remember thinking, I was just like, you could just do this full time. <laughs> and I like I like the thing you said about making a tree beautification service. You go around a neighborhood, be like, they have a sucky tree and a $3 million house. Let me make their tree better. I actually think that's a really smart thing. The other thing I would do, because I like techie stuff, um, I would take a business and insert AI. So I remember when I was growing up, this is the way I started all my business. I took a business and inserted the web because that was like the hot new thing at the time. Right now, no one knows how to use AI properly, especially like some of these local businesses. I would take those, insert AI, make it more efficient, get a lot more clients, be able to handle a lot more sales calls volume um, way cheaper. You got an example of one? Uh, I think if you take one, like you took, you said your disaster business, you got like 600 calls in an hour. Now there are services that will have AI agents that take all the information and actually do a pretty damn good job Mm. rather than humans. Are you going to lose a couple of people due to like, it's kind of clunky? Sure. There's a lot with humans too. Yeah, exactly. If you have to train 600 people on how to take calls, all of a sudden you're going to get a lot of error. So so maybe the AI would do it in about a year or two when it gets better each time. I think it won't mess up at all. Also on that, man, something that worked really good in the past that could be even better now. So what we would do is we would let the phone ring a few times Mm -hmm. and then I would use, this is back 10 years ago. So I would use a tool called Sly Broadcast, Mm -hmm. which would call them, you know, Sly Broadcast. Uh So you could slip voicemails into people's answering service. Ah, yes. Uh, so I would hit them with the voicemail, but like, hey, just missed your call, super sorry. And then I would text them automated 10 seconds later saying, hey, just call. So they would call the like flood business or the roofing business. They instantly get a call back that they miss. They get a voicemail that they haven't heard yet. Then they get a text that's like, hey, just missed your call. And then I would hit them with the type form to join our waiting list. Mm. But now using like AI to text or mm. on the call, yeah, that would be awesome. One thing that we did in our uh, in our copywriting course community recently, we actually had a guy who ran a tree business. You, you were talking about a tree business, reminding me of that. And one of the things we changed, he was building a flyer for people. He's like putting on homeowners' doors and stuff like that. It was like a tree service for dying trees, and, and they come and make them better. And the change that we made to his flyer was this. It was so simple because he had a pretty good flyer. It was call slash text phone number. And and what it said was, and all we did that changed it and completely changed his fortunes on this was we said, text us a picture of your tree and we'll tell you what's wrong with it. That's great. And so That's all great. of a sudden, instead of fielding a bunch of phone That's calls, great, and two people call at the same time, you can't pick up one of the phone calls. He was getting all these text messages. And, and get, of course, people are more comfortable sending a text message than a call nowadays. And you're also comfortable sending a text message at three in the morning, right? Yes. So people were texting him photos of the trees. And he's like, I already know that I can help or not help this person. That's good. And he just gives some basic advice that we can come out and take a look. What time do you want us to come? Bam, 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 bam. Like it was so simple. The key is if you're, in a, if you're in a really high price business, it makes sense to go and sell the job. But the worst is like when the HVAC guy comes to your house to quote you 300 bucks. I'm like, this business model is horrible. Mm-hmm. But when you can 
sell via text, mm -hmm. it changes the entire business model. Yeah, well, someone sells a, a tiny little tree in a crappy yard. You're like, uh, you know, I'm just judging this, but this is going to be a low price customer. When they sell a majestic uh, oak tree and a three million dollar house in the background, you're we, like, we come. We'll be. I'll see you Tuesday. I'll I'll be there right away. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Uh, how about this? Uh, what productivity advice has changed your life? So I went hardcore, deep down the rabbit hole, man. I was reading my journal five years ago, and I was writing to myself about how I couldn't imagine possibly being able to like mind map one day. Uh -huh. And I remember being like, how does anyone run a company with like any kind of planning? I never planned a thing before. Being in the disaster game, you didn't really need to. Um, I mean, I was just planning like a day or a week at a time. So I got into like GTD and EOS, and I went deep down all these like productivity, build a second brain. I was like binging it all for years. Um, I think GTD, even though I don't use any of it now, it like deeply encoded a way of being in terms What's of GTT? getting things done by David Allen, mm -hmm. just like having an inbox, mm -hmm. like literally my wife, Rachel, now she has these like lazy bins around the house. Mm -hmm. She knows I'll like leave everything everywhere. So there's like three lazy bins all around the home. So like, if you're going to drop your clothes in the middle of somewhere, or put some, th something down, like she's like, just please chuck it in the lazy bin. And then like, mm -hmm. I'll deal with it weekly. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yo, that's awesome. Um, I would say yeah, for productivity, uh, getting things done by, by David Allen. Interesting. What productivity advice changed your life? Uh, write things down the day before. Your whole to-do list is made the day before, the night before. Mm -hmm. Every time you get something done, scratch it off. I like doing it with the pen and paper. You can do it whichever way you want. And here's the trick. Never add things to your to-do list on the same day. That's good. So if, if you say, hey, Neville, I want you to complete this. Can you send this form to me? I say, I will send it to you tomorrow by 3 p.m. Mm. I never promise Today. it the same day. Yeah. I, I, always, I always say I'll do it tomorrow. And that way people know that like, okay, I'm going to do it. I give them Pretty a time stuff. frame. I'm going to do it. So they know that like, okay, he's serious about it. And then I put it on tomorrow's to-do list. I never put stuff on uh, the to-do list today. And once I'm done with the to-do list, I'm forced to stop work. And my productivity system now is actually sticky notes. Mm. So I, I think you know this, but I had no cell phone for three years. Mm -hmm. um, I got it back and I had to get very like low tech. So now that I kind of thought through all these things, now my system is each big project. I have a giant sticky note. And then smaller sticky notes below it. But my entire system is sticky notes. I have no like notions, Evernotes, Asanas, ClickUps, like nothing. And my, I have two empty Jasper boxes. So if I get the task done, I like crinkle it into a ball and I like, throw it in like a basketball. Mm -hmm. And like eventually I'll fill up the entire box with sticky notes. And that like visual, like the checking things off was good, but like the little form factor of the sticky note, like <laughs> piling up in the bin is very satisfying. That's so interesting how different, like I wouldn't personally care about that, but mm. for someone else yeah. that works. So for someone else, pen and paper might be dumb yeah. and they want to use their phone. So yep. um, what do you use? F do you, I'm going to ask that again. Do you use AI for anything in your marketing? Uh, yes, a lot, a lot. I, I love AI. It's <laughs> so awesome, man. Um, I use it a ton. So I've been playing with those MyGPTs lately as well. Mm -hmm. So for customer service, I use it a lot. <laughs> and I've really... So I never use the computer one, uh, seldom. The, the phone one's so much better because I, I use voice to AI a lot. Like I'll send AI like six, seven minute voice notes and then be like, summarize this. Mm. I actually, was at, I was at an event last week uh, in Missouri and there was 45 minute talks, but mm -hmm. I wasn't paying much attention. I put my phone in my cup holder with GBT recording mm -hmm. and then it was done. I'm like, summarize this talk in bullet points and like, ooh, that's good. It did the whole talk perfectly. Um, so I use it a lot now for, um, customer service. Mm -hmm. So 
it's all about naming conventions. So I'll have like Jasper slash customer service, Jasper slash email copywriting. So then the thread, eventually I'm sure the intelligence will like all merge, but right now each thread, like it only, you know, is intelligent within the thread. Mm -hmm. So for, for customer service now, it knows enough that I can just copy any question from a customer, paste it in and it gives it perfect answers. Um, so you put all the specs and all that stuff in. And then if someone says like, how tall is it? It knows. Yeah, or like, does it emit ozone? Or how mm. does it compare to the air doctor? So I have another one that's just Jasper comparisons, where I give it like a seven minute rant on Jasper versus all the incumbents. And then I'll be like, yeah, just copy and paste in customer service requests, fire them out. Oh, um, that's so cool. It's great for that's that. Really good. And like the gap from that to AI just doing my customer service is like a very small um, margin. How do you use AI in your business? Uh, number one, I use it for brainstorming. Number two, I use it for supporting content. So this means if I upload this video to YouTube, um, I don't want to write the description yeah. and the tags and blah, 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 all that stuff. And AI just does all that for me. Oh, and the worst is chapters. You need to say at 13 minutes, mm -hmm. we talked about air purifiers. It just does all that right away. It does it 85% good and still getting better. Um, and then the other is images like Dali. Ooh. So sometimes I want to use an image and I don't want to hand draw the image or make it myself, even though I love it, but it just takes a lot of time. And so the AI images, they're pretty good. And honestly, they're a lot better than using nothing. So that's the way that I primarily use it right now. Those are good ways. Yeah. Um, uh, this rich people one, I don't know if that one's cool or not, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll ask that one. That could be the last one. Um, tell me something about rich people that 99% of people don't know about. You had a billion dollars in money. So I was, that was pretty good too. Um, something about rich people that most people don't know. Yeah. Yo, the, from my little experience, um, I grew up th being told that rich people had to be evil. Mm -hmm. That like rich equaled, like they paid a huge sacrifice on their family, their health, their friends. Like they had to kind of be like an evil emperor in order to be rich. And like, maybe, maybe there was some kernel of truth of that at some point in time. I'm kind of not believing it anymore. Yeah. Um, I actually think a lot of rich people are there for their family a lot more because they, they have the freedom to outsource everything. Yeah. Like once they figure out the money thing, like some rich people I know, like you hang out very little phone. They're always running marathons, like super generous. And the rich people off a lot of the time, they're not that busy. Like yeah. <laughs> it's not that difficult to reach out to someone who has a half a billion dollar company and like meet up with them on Tuesday for lunch. Like shockingly, there's certain, especially like the not like the internet famous people are probably like bombarded, um, which not exactly your question, but like hit people up and not their most popular place. So I found people that have like 8 million followers on Instagram, but like 800 subscribers on YouTube. Yeah. So like comment on their YouTube videos, like hit them on the platform that they're not busy. Um, tell me something about rich people. Tell me something about rich people. What is something about rich people that 99% of people don't know? Uh, I think once you have like a nice house, a nice car and a couple nice things, like you're kind of done. After, uh, after that, it's just like private jets and stuff like that is like the next level of like crazy wealth and having like multiple house managers and stuff. But I think most rich people I know don't actually want all that stuff. And if they want to fly private, they just charge it every once in a while. You don't need to like buy a plane, all that kind of stuff. And after like a certain level of wealth, it kind of like plateaus on like all the cool shit you could buy. Yes, you can go on fancier vacations here and there, but like for the most part, they live like pretty normal lives. There's a term I like called spectrum traveling. Mm -hmm. So I was doing this through my 20s a bunch. So I would either stay at a five-star hotel or camping. <laughs> so it's like three-star hotels suck. So if I was going like on a road trip in California for six days, it'd be like five-star hotel, 
tent, 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 five star hotel. And half the time, the tent nights were my best nights. Yeah. And just like remembering that, like the middle sucks, but you can actually afford to do like really lavish, luxurious things as long as on the other nights you're like super cheap. And then when you find out that those super cheap times are like the best times, that and, and I think a lot of rich people actually don't know that and aren't that good at. It's sad to see, man, when people have a bunch of money and they don't know how to have fun with their money. That breaks my heart. <laughs> and last question. Um, what would you do if you had billions and billions of dollars and money was no object? This is an easy one, actually. Um, it's, it's also the reason I started Jasper. I, I, I told myself, well, it's not that reason, but I had told myself, um, if I had a billion dollars, like what company would I buy? That would be worth hundreds of millions. I'm like, I can't afford it, but I could probably build it in a decade. But the answer, here, ask me the question again. If you had billions and billions of dollars, money was no object, what would you do? I would develop communities and new subdivisions. So mm. typically the way a developer develops is homes aren't built for humans. They're built on spreadsheets. Mm -hmm. So I'd be like, here's 2,000 acres available for sale. What is my cost per acre, my cost per square foot, the cost to like scrape the land, how fast can we sell it? And it's just like formulaically built. And it breaks my heart that we cut down trees. Then we call the dead trees. We give them a name wood. <laughs> which is just dead tree and we cut down the trees and then we build decks for shade out of the dead trees when the trees were there in the first place mm -hmm. so the thing that i would do is i would build large I, I would be able to spearhead like developments and communities where it's not just like scrape the land you know we, we'd work with the trees mm -hmm. we'd have like i want to see a subdivision built that has like epic co-working spaces with fiber internet mm. and like a sweet pool and a, like a sweet community center hub and like walking trails and stuff and i feel like right now suburban life sucks so bad and most people buy these homes that like you're like trapped in this little concrete jungle that you just have to like escape from so i would definitely do like at least 100 or 200 home development that would be like biohacked homes with clean air, clean water, clean food, lots of trees. Like the community I would want my kids to live in is a community I would like love to A blue zone community. That'd be awesome. Yeah, right here. Yeah. Great idea. In B Cave. Um, and the last question. Um, oh, you have to ask For you. that. Yeah. What would you do if you had billions of dollars and money was no object? I think, I always thought about this. I'd probably do the same thing I do right now. I'd read the internet a bunch and post about it. And then the next thing I would do, I would go get every license I possibly could. I would become a barber. I would become a massage therapist. Mm. I would get every license and complain at every step of the way how stupid it is to get a license for each one of these. But I think that's what I would do just for fun, just to like see all the, the breadth and experiences of the world. Which one first? Uh, I think barber. barber. I don't know why that, that, that appeals to me for some reason. I can relate. I was an Uber driver a few years ago huh. and I just really wanted to be like, I, I was like lonely sitting on my computer all the time in Toronto. I'm like, how do I get to interact with humans? So I Uber drove. So nice. I feel like barber is kind of like being an Uber driver, but instead of driving, you cut hair. Sweet, man. Thanks so much for doing that. How can people find you? Um, Google. Google, Jasper Air. <laughs> Mike Feldstein on Google or on Spotify. I, I want to only be searchable on, on podcasts. That's hilarious. Like, what am I going to do? What do you do? Find me on- Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so- Search Mike Feldstein, Jasper Air. Check it out. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, that was fun, dude.